Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we'll be studying chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May this study equip you to follow our Lord in faithfulness, and may you continue to grow in your love for Him and His Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of the Village Chapel or discover more resources like this one, visit thevillagechapel.com. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion. We're walking through Ephesians together here on Timeless Truth. Chapter 3 is where we'll be. I want to read, uh, let's say, seven verses today. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing to uh, that church or group of churches in and around the ancient city of Ephesus. At one time, second largest city in the Roman Empire. Uh, lots of commerce, lots of culture, uh, lots of religious ideas, lots of philosophy, uh, a significant library, uh, all kinds of stuff happening in Ephesus. And uh, it was sort of a gateway city. Uh, as people traveled east and west with uh, their goods to share. And so you can imagine lots of highways coming in and going out for an ancient city, uh, an amazing place to start a church or to plant a church or a group of churches uh, that would have an impact on a regional basis. And the Apostle Paul indeed did that in his second and third missionary journey, he stopped right there in Ephesus. Looking forward to going there myself um, when we do a uh, Footsteps of St. Paul uh, trip coming up, I think, uh, in about a year or so. So if you're curious about that, drop us an email at uh, info at the Village Chapel. Love to have you go with us. So chapter 3 of Ephesians, verses 1 through 7. Um, all of us, before we read the verses, I want to just take, remind you, all, all of us have had uh, these kinds of questions roll through our minds. Things like... Uh, uh, you know, who am I? Where do I fit in? What's my role in life? What's my meaning? What's my purpose? Uh, and for those of us who are believers or, or followers of Jesus, what's what's my role in His mission in the world? And how does how does He want me to uh, participate in His kingdom? So, great questions. The Apostle Paul, uh, anticipating some of those questions, even all the way back then, uh, for folks in ancient times. Uh, declares in these seven verses, um, I'm going to say one, two, three, I'm going to say five things about himself that he kind of had come to understand about himself and his own life in Christ. And I think these can be helpful to you and to me as we consider our own um, understanding of who we are, understanding of who God is, and what God might want us to do in the world and in his mission in the world. It goes just like this. For this reason, I... Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you, Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. And by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Verse 6, to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel, of which I was made 
a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Well, there's just so much there. He is the king of the run-on sentence, and sometimes you find yourself kind of getting lost uh, trying to track with him on what's the subject of the sentence or what's the uh, referent, what, what does this pronoun or that pronoun refer to? And so let me go back and just kind of, as we take our 15 to 20 minutes today, let me just uh, kind of pick it apart verse by verse a little bit, maybe in some cases, phrase by phrase. And there's so much here. It's really great. Okay. Uh, first, he says, for this reason, I, Paul, so we know who it is. He's already said that at the beginning of chapter one. He said, I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And he even says to who the letter is written to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And I made the point, if you were with us uh, back then uh, on Timeless Truth, that the, the saints he's writing to, the believers in Christ, always have two addresses. Uh, we are at, like, like in my case, I'm at Nashville, but I'm in Christ Jesus. So it's your at and your in uh, address. You are at whatever city you happen to be living in or listening to this in right now. And yet, as a believer or a follower of Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus. And this whole idea of being in Christ and him being in us, this uh, is, is one of the unique things about the Christian faith. And I want to just continue to stress that and remind us of that as we go through the book of Ephesians, because chapters 1, 2, and 3, all about doctrine, all about what God has done for us in Christ, all about the riches of spiritual riches that we have available to us in Christ. And as I mentioned there, the, the phrase in Christ occurs over 30 times, I think it is, in the book of Ephesians. So it's really an important uh, fundamental concept as he rolls out the first three chapters that have all these indicatives about what is true if you're in Christ. All these things are true. And then chapters four through six um, are the imperatives. If if these things are true about you because you're in Christ, then here's what it looks like to actually live that out. Um, and so one is about the first half of the book is about belief, and the second half of the book is more about how we walk that out, our behavior, if you will. He says right at the top of chapter 3, he reminds his readers that his name is Paul, that he's the prisoner of Christ Jesus uh, for the sake of you Gentiles. So here he is answering the question, who am I? And he doesn't answer it by you know, some of the same kinds of ways we might do that in our own modern world. You know, when I was growing up, it was all about um, sort of socioeconomic status or educational status. Um, it kind of morphed from that to being, you know, if you met somebody for the first time, hi, how are you? Uh, my name's Jim, you know, whatever your name is, what, what do you do? And so our identity became wrapped up in what we do, what we did, what, what our work is, if you will, our vocation. Um, and those were sometimes kind of bragging rights at some point. You started to feel superior or inferior, uh, depending on how you were sort of in the social strata, in the vocational social strata. And so it's really um, uh, one of those kinds of things that if you hitch your identity to your work or to some pleasure or to some um, proclivity that you might have in life, um, you're at risk, I think, of having a very undulating sense of security and significance and success, all of that, 
Um, and I think what we're really longing for is significance more than success. We don't always know that. We don't. Are, we aren't always aware of that. Sometimes we think our entire identity is to be wrapped up in our work, uh, or in our last accomplishment or achievement, or perhaps it's in our you know, some form of pleasure. Um, uh, so these are important things to think about. The unexamined life, Socrates used to say, would not be worth living, and so we're. Um, uh, in agreement with that kind of earthly wisdom that suggests that the examined life would be worth living. So examine your life, examine the way you think about your life and ask questions like, who am I? Uh, What am I? Um, Who do I belong to? A lot of people nowadays think they belong to themselves and the Bible is just over and over and over again reminding us we don't belong to ourselves. Even in the very first chapter, um, we're reminded that we're created beings. And so we belong to the creator who by right of being the creator, he owns us. We belong to him. The great news about the Bible, the scriptures, is that he wants more than just possession for us. He wants relationship with us. Um, so that's, that's a, that's, that changes everything. That's no longer am I just a, a sort of an inanimate object, a, a part of his creation, just but there's something unique about the human person. Um, and Genesis tells us too that we were created in the image of God. That's said of nothing else in the universe that God created. Um, uh, not the animals, not the plant life, not the stars as beautiful, as as wonderful as they are, not the ocean. The only part of God's creation that was created in the image of God is the human person. Male and female, he created us. And so we always want to go back when we're asking these big questions. Who am I? What am I? Uh, do I belong to myself or do I belong to something or someone else? We always want to go back to the uh, original creation design of our creator. And we answer that question the way Paul does. He says, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And he He's, when you write that, you can almost hear that he's, he's saying it with a joyful tone, which is so, so, so interesting, almost postmodern of him, isn't it, to put those two things together, to say, use a word like prisoner to describe how wonderful it is to belong to Jesus. Um, and I'll remind you, likely writing this from a prison cell in Rome, that he can be thinking about his creature comforts, his current status, and think to himself, I'm not defined as a prisoner of Rome. No, I'm not even defined as a prisoner of this particular prison I'm in chains in. I'm the prisoner of Christ Jesus. I belong to Jesus before I belong to this prison cell or this this prison guard that I'm chained to or shackled to or, or to the Roman Empire itself. No, I belong to Christ Jesus. And that's what gave Paul the ability to write with great joy. And so he writes... And that's how he starts talking about himself. And so if you've thought about um, that aspect of what it means to be a Christian, that it actually matters when you start asking those big questions like, who am I? Um, Who do I belong to? What do I belong to? That's really important that you start the way the Apostle Paul does. You belong to Christ Jesus, lock, stock, and barrel. And then he even says in verse 1, for the sake of you Gentiles, as he's writing to a most largely Gentile uh, church, it's easy to see that because here he is in Ephesus. Ephesus is in what we now call the kind of western province of, of a country called Turkey. Uh, back then it was called Asia Minor. 
But um, yes, there would be some dispersed Jews in that region, but a lot more Gentiles in that region. And what he's doing is he writes to this uh, this church there that it's that is probably comprised of both Jews and Gentiles, is he's writing to show them how they both belong to Christ. And that's an amazing thing about the Christian faith too. I think it's the most inclusive of all of the world religions you can find because it isn't it's it 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 doesn't matter what your ethnic or racial background is. Doesn't matter what zip code you live in. Doesn't matter what your education level is, what your um uh what your social status is. None of that matters. All are welcome. All are called as they hear the gospel to repent and believe and trust Christ and to become his, to to move from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. All right, I've got to hurry. I wanted to give you five things. I took all of that time to talk about the one thing. But Paul also says in verse two that he's a steward of God's grace. You see that there? If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. And do you see your life that way? That's, that's a great way for the apostle Paul to see his life. That he's a steward. And, and you know, if you want to uh, try to explore what a contemporary meaning or, or, or uh, uh, a synonym for that might be. Um, I, I just think of the person who is uh, either a herald pronouncing something or perhaps uh, somebody uh, at, a, at a restaurant who's bringing st- a steward, bringing you stuff, you know, bringing you uh, the gospel in this particular case of God's grace. And I really love this. Paul Tripp says, grace will smash your pride, but give you more reason for confidence than you've ever had before. And I think Paul is right there. So it, and that's evident in the way Paul sees himself too, right? For him to say, here's what I begin with. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, instead of I, Paul, you know, a well-educated Jewish man looking down on all of you uneducated people. I, an apostle, all that sort of thing. He does do that. No, he he, he sees himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And that's a very humble place to be. And it's because grace humbles us. And then it also gives us more reason for confidence than we've ever had, as Paul Tripp says. Well, the third thing we see in verse three, he says that by revelation, there was made known to me the mystery as I wrote before in brief. And I love that. He, Paul, the apostle, recognizes that he didn't discover God. God revealed himself. God re- he didn't discover the gospel. God revealed. It's a mystery revealed to him. And I love that. There's a real big dividing line, I think, in the disposition of our hearts and minds when we start thinking it's about us figuring stuff out or us discovering stuff, instead of seeing it as um, God taking initiative in his sovereign grace to reveal himself to us. Do you understand how huge the difference is there between those two things? The burden no longer on you or me to discover anything. God's revealed himself to us already through his word, through in general revelation, through creation all around us, but through his word in very specific ways, and even more specifically through the person and work of Jesus Christ, whom we get to know through his word, through prayer, through walking in union with Christ. So important. And I love it that Paul says, uh, by revelation, there was made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief. He's the recipient 
of revelation. And fourthly, he understands now the mystery of Christ. We see that in verse four, um, this mystery of Christ. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. And sometimes it is mysterious, isn't it? And I think that's what continues to fill me with wonder and with awe, that I can't figure it all out. And I also would say, I think that's how you can know you got a hold of a real God, the real infinite God, and that he's got a hold of you. That is, if you can't figure everything out about God. Uh, The Latin phrase is that the finite cannot fully comprehend the infinite. Um, um, It's, it's, It's just that stark reality that God is so much bigger, so much higher. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. There's no way that we can completely predict him. There's no way that we can completely understand him. He's overwhelmingly powerful, overwhelmingly beautiful and majestic. And all of that leads us to the place of the fear of the Lord, which is this healthy fear that really eclipses all of the unhealthy fears in life. Eugene Peterson says, mystery is not the absence of meaning. It's the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. Ah, that's so good. I got to say it again. Mystery is not the absence of meaning, but it's the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. And I think Eugene Peterson was on to something there. What else do we see? Not only is he the prisoner of Christ, does he see himself that way? The steward of God's grace, the recipient of revelation, um, that he was one who had been gifted the an understanding of the mysteries of Christ Jesus. But fifthly, the Apostle Paul, and I think for all of us, we can find application in our own lives on these things, and I'll do that, wrap that up in just a second. But fifthly, verses five through seven, talk about uh, Paul's view that his life was a part of the sweep of God's redemption history, God's plan uh, to to spread the gospel uh, throughout um, the the time period between the, the first advent of Christ and the return of Christ, which is yet to come. And we're looking forward to that when he comes to set all things right. But let me reread verses five through seven with that in mind, okay? That he sees himself as a part of the sweep of God's redemption history. Verse five, which in other, talking about the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, fellow members of the body, fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. There's that inclusiveness of of the Christian gospel. Verse seven, of which I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. Notice all of the divine initiative that's involved there. All of that. It's all God doing stuff in and through the Apostle Paul's life. And I would say the same thing for you and for me. Maybe not in the exact same way. I'm not, none of us have visibly seen uh, Jesus as Paul did in those multiple visions where Christ revealed himself to Paul. However, I think every single one of us might note on these five things and say, all right, how is it that I, if I start to see myself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus, belonging to Christ Jesus, how might that change the way I go about my day to day? How might that change my priorities? How might that change uh, the way I respond to others? How might that 
free me up from some of those uh, bits of bitterness and anger that I've been holding on to. Um, the second thing, the steward of God's grace. How might the Lord want to use you today to bring a big old plate full of grace to somebody who really needs it? Be a steward of God's grace. Perhaps it's through word or deed. Perhaps it's heralding or speaking or proclaiming or declaring God's grace to someone. Someone who might be just really struggling with, with guilt or with shame and you're able to bring a word of God's grace to them. Mm. Or perhaps it's grace in motion. Uh, like I say, like a, like a, uh, a waiter or a waitstaff person bringing, a server bringing an extra heaping helping of something to the table for someone and surprising them, you know? Um, thirdly, how can I be a recipient of revelation? Gotta get in the word. Gotta get on my knees, lift up the empty hands of faith and continue to receive from the Lord as the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. So it's the word and the spirit together. Place ourselves under the spout where the glory comes out and be a recipient of the revelation of God. Understanding more and more every day the mysteries of Christ becoming a part of the sweep of God's redemption history. So important for all of us. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this passage today. Uh, Get us rolling the right way, thinking the right way about who we are, who we belong to, why we're here, and what you, uh, the wonderful things that you would like to do through us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or following us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.